You see, this evil bitch told y'all she wasn't going to be here. And now she starts the episode cackling. Back with a vengeance, baby. What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk the Podcast. I am Money, Lena and Alana's third. And that is a closed triad. Don't you bitches pull it. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Gunshot to the head. <laughs> Don't don't come for Lena or Alana. They're mine. Hands off. How proprietarium. And this week, actually, this is a ghost. Because I said I wouldn't be. Exactly. Apparition. Is that what it's called? Apparition. This week, I am your friendly neighborhood apparition. A (laughs) phantasm. What is that? Phantasm? Phantom? I don't know these words. All right. So I'm sure many of you are wondering. You just like turned to ash and blew away. (laughs) You in the soul stone. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. Infinity War. Anyway. So you all are probably wondering. Bitch, what you doing here? No, they not. Drop the motherfucking intro. (laughs) (laughs) Shut it. Your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe inside my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every time darkest night, brightest light, I'm loving your soul. They hate you, replace you, taint you, but know that you go. Worldwide from every continent. I just want you jig a little bit. Move them hips, feel that bliss. Hug your sister, make a fist. Don't resist your temptation. You amazing, no limitation. My favorite in this matrix. We move by your vibration and that's love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby, you love, you love. I feel silenced. As you should, cause you said you was gonna take a break. Well, as I was saying, but I, before I was so rudely interrupted, so, story time. <laughs> anyway, so, I just wrapped up my last um, gig. On the rig. It's not a rig, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. So, it was about an hour commute. Um, on the way in an hour commute back. And so when I was driving, I was just listening to podcasts. So a podcast that I really listen to, um, that I enjoy is called Delete Delete Your Account. Account. It's Nikita's favorite podcast. It's not my favorite, but it is a very good one. Uh, it is one of my favorites. So anyway, they had this, um, episode that I was listening to, um, on the way to work. And it's, uh, Kumar and Rokaya and they interviewed um, these two black leftists uh, who also have their own uh, podcast. And so they interviewed um, Eugene Purrier and I don't know the, uh, Noah's last name. Um, but so again, so it's two hosts of color. They interviewed two black folks. And they were just really talking about the importance of independent um, media. And one of the things that they were talking about on that um, interview was that uh, this woman who's politically active and progressive, or again, her name is Anoa, this in, this NPR person was saying that they were going to write a profile about her. And then they ended up just writing, making it seem as if she was some kind of like 
not like some kind of like stooge of Russia, because you know that's what liberals are on um, these days. And they had, mm-hmm. <coughs> ooh, excuse me, they interviewed Eugene, and and he was saying like when he talked to the person that was writing this profile, he was they were trying to like bait him into like answering like absurd questions about Russia and yeah, about yeah, Noah, yeah. mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so they were just like, this is kind of what happens. Not kind of. This is what happens when we don't, when we don't have our um, when we don't control media. And so these are, you know. So delete your account. You know that's a podcast, and then Anoa has a podcast, and Eugene um, has a podcast. So it just it just like really like struck me, um, because first of all, it's rare that I have not to say that they don't exist. I'll frame it this way: I haven't found a lot of um, podcasts specifically that are hosted and run by people of color who are on the left, like who identifies like radicals and like socialists. Um, so I was like, that's really um, so like it just mm-hmm. made me think about that, and then it just made me think about what is so fun and exciting and amazing about what we do here because it's like mm-hmm. I certainly don't know a lot of like um, it's I think it's difficult to find a lot of um, leftists or radicals of color, but I certainly can't name any like queer Gay women ass. of color yeah. mm-hmm. or like queers who are doing like radical mm-hmm. um, podcasts, and so I think that the thing I love about um, us is that, you know, we have, like, this radical, like, political analysis, but, you know, we're also talking about things that are really meaningful and important to, like, the queer, um, queer walk and, you know, queer pock, um, community, and then also, like, you bringing in, like, your skills and expertise and knowledge around mental health, so I feel like mm-hmm. there's different podcasts that I go to. For different things. For different things, and I think the thing that just, like, listening to that, um, just kind of, like, reminded me and, like, it just, I don't know, like, I just made me feel like a really deep sense of, like, appreciation for what it mm-hmm. is that we do here. Because it's like, uh, this is kind of like the, this is what, like, our lives are. It's like mm-hmm. always trying right, to right, piece right. together yeah. these pieces of ourselves. And it's like, you know, it's, it's yeah. hard to find mm-hmm. those things. So that's why we end up All just doing it place. ourselves. Yeah. And, and so, go ahead. I was just um thinking when you called me, like, bitch, ain't no break. I was like. Okay. Yeah, you were like, oh, wow. Because, all right, so to just be transparent with y'all, I thought that the listeners would think that we was beefing. Yeah. And that hurt me because I'm like, this is my bestie. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want anybody thinking that. We're not on good terms. (laughs) Exactly. Right. And I'm like, no, she really is motherfucking tired because she do everything. As we all do. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, um, but then, like, when you told, when you called me and we talked through that and you were like, I listened to, like, three different podcasts to get, like, what we do. Um, I said this before I think I begged you to come on as my co-host is that I feel like I was doing all these different things in, like, all these areas of my life. And I promised myself that I wouldn't do that anymore after um, I essentially got kicked out of SU, (laughs) you know? So I was like, I'm not going to keep separating and giving, like, the part of myself that this space calls for. Like, I'm just going to be me and whole, like, in all spaces. Yeah, Um, yeah. And so I'm really glad that that's why you felt like you didn't want to take a break, that the podcast did feel like that. Yeah. That this is all who we are. Like, we go from from joking around about Migos or, like, (laughs) mapping out Offset's family tree. (laughs) (laughs) talking about you know like radical leftist movements and coping mm-hmm. mechanisms exactly. and baddies oh Ooh, keep baddies. your pants on I, mean, I was pulling the drawstring tighter I meant the way you said that oh. sounds nasty <laughs> oh I was just pulling the drawstring tighter 
That is not how I said it. You just took it to a whole nother level. The level it was on, the whole nother level you took okay, it to. Okay, whatever. Anywho. <laughs> Would you like to tell the folks where they can find us now that you've decided not to take a day off? Oh, God, I don't have my notes ready. You don't know where they can find us? I just like to... It's. I don't need your judgment. All right. I'm so glad that you asked us where the listeners can find us. Because... Again, I'm going to tell you right now. They can find us on Facebook, Queer Walk, colon, the podcast. Here we go. You can send us an email at queerwalkpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Tumblr, queerwalk.com, on the Instagram at queerwalkpod, and also on Twitter at queerwalkpod. And remember... When you're listening on Twitter or where you're um, listening and you're on Facebook or any form of social media, use the hashtag, which is Queer W-O-C. <laughs> Not to be confused. With W-O-K or W-A-L-K. Now, wop, wop, wop. And I would like to say that I have kind of like a, a challenge. Yes. Because I know the next thing is like how you can donate. So because you all have been so excellent at being community contributors and donating at the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash queerwalkpod, and on uh, PayPal at paypal.me slash queerwoc, we have reached our goal of what we needed to get merch. Yay! Yeah. Oh, uh, should, I, should I say union-made Locally sourced merch. Is it, it going to be union made? I feel like you won't allow it to be any other way. We'll just, we're going to have to do some serious pricing. All right. And some shopping around. Or it might just end up <laughs> in nope. our living room again with me pressing the shirts. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so we are brainstorming merch for Queer Walk. And so you can use the hashtag to give us suggestions for what kind of merch you actually want. Maybe t-shirts ain't even what y'all want. Right. How y'all feeling? Maybe you want a mug. Yeah. Maybe you want a pin. Throw it in the hashtag. Use the hashtag to give us suggestions. Also, if you have like a saying that you've heard our fool asses say or would like to, like maybe the name of your favorite episode, anything like that, um, that you would like to see on merch, use the hashtag and tell us, give us a suggestion. For what to do with this merch, 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 merch. Yeah, because when it's left up to us, when we're left to our own devices, we come up with silly shit like homos for homophones. I think homos for homophones would be a bestseller, but... <laughs> seven people would buy that. I... And the seven people are all in the same book club. It's <laughs> I ridiculous. I think you are severely underestimating the number of queers who work in libraries, um, who teach English. Oh my uh, God, I'm Montanique, <laughs> now I'm going to be rational and like oh look there's actually people who care about this there really is i just think all right whatever <laughs> there's so many grammar geeks that are also queer okay grammar geeks gay gay grammar geeks ah, another shirt all right <laughs> let's, let's move on all right so we're gonna move it on along to where you can listen nikita you want to tell i'm so glad that you asked me where they well, can I mean, listen you gotta do something since you ain't taking a break do you, this is, <laughs> that silence was me mustering everything in me to not cuss you out. Okay, anyway, you can listen to us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and on SoundCloud. I like how you mixed up the order. I always try to mix it up. 
because it doesn't matter where you listen. It just matters that you listen. Well, righty then. We're going to move it, move it on along. All right. So we're going to move it on along to Queer Walk of the Week. And what is the Queer Walk of the Week? So, Queer you mean like the segment? Yeah. Oh, it's just the segment where we highlight a baddie who's like doing some dope shit, who has done some dope shit, who might need the community to rally around them. Touche. Yeah. Okay. So it's the Queer Woman of Color of the Week. So who's the Queer Walk of the Week this week? So this week, uh, the Queer Walk of the Week segment is going to be dedicated to remembering uh, and celebrating Laura Aguilera. Maybe it's Aguilar. Uh, is it? I think it's Aguilar. I think it's like Laura Aguilar. Okay, I'm I'm gonna d- defer to you on this because you know. No girl, don't defer to me. Go ahead. I don't speak Spanish. Neither and do I. Feel I feel like so ashamed of that. But yeah, as you, as we both are. I know. Well, um, Ashe to Laura mm-hmm. um, Ashe. because she passed away. So Ashe to Laura, um, who, or Presente, uh, Presente, right? Because Ashe, well, Ashe and Presente si, si. because you know. Diaspora, of course, <laughs> for the culture, but she passed away on April 25th. Um, and for those of you who uh don't know or aren't familiar with who um Laura Aguilar, because that's how Nikita says it's pronounced, um, is she she's basically like a groundbreaking photographer. Um, badass Chicana did a lot of work, um, for like marginalized bodies in, in general. Um, and so I am going to be referencing an article written by uh, Christina Noriega. Um, uh, and so and I'm just going to highlight a few things that you need to know about Laura and like why we should all know her name and say her name and be celebrating her life. Um, she did a series called uh, Latina Lesbians in which she came out. And this was in the late 80s, y'all. Um, and... So this this series highlighted portraits of queer Latinx um, folks, homies, um, and who who like were proudly in front of the camera in the late eighties. Uh, and so along with the, taking their portraits, uh, what Laura actually did was have them describe like uh, what the word lesbian meant to them. Um, and she came out during this series with a, her own self-portrait. And in her, um, her like, one-word synopsis of the word lesbian, she said, I'm not comfortable with the word lesbian, but every day I'm more and more comfortable with the word Laura, mm. um, which was her name, right? Um, and, and so she was asked in 2000 about, like, why she does these uh, portraits of like really beautiful people who are not seen as beautiful in like the um like the mainstream way that we consume folks bodies mm-hmm. um you know brown folks fat folks disabled folks chicanas like you know all the people who get left out basically when we talk when we talk about like art and beauty um and she, what she said in response to that was I'm trying to convince myself I'm not what I always thought myself to be I'm ugly, I'm fat, I'm not worth living. Mm. I am these things too. I am kind, I'm a person, I'm funny, I'm compassionate. In the photographs, I'm beautiful and I'm kind to myself. And so, and a lot of people who she photographed talked about like how her kindness actually made them feel more beautiful. A lot of her um, like portraits of queer Chicanas are like nudes. Um, 
And I'm just, I just think about like, I don't like taking nudes of my damn self. And so how, how comfortable and like loving somebody's energy has to be in order for you, uh, to feel comfortable enough to, you know, like disrobe it, like out in nature. To allow them to to capture. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, folks who she photographed, um, from the eighties on until the, um, early two thousands constantly talked about like how just kind she was. Um, and how her like kindness is what stayed with them and, and made them think differently, differently about their own insecurities with their bodies. Um, so she was, I feel like she's really doing like, um, like body activism through portraiture. Yeah. Um, and, and so then, uh, I guess just like a last thing that seems to be like obvious through describing her work, but. Um, like Latinas are severely underrepresented in like photography or any kind of like quote unquote high art forms. So she, and so this is in the eighties. She's like really kicking the fucking door down for Chicanas specifically, but, um, queer Latinas and, and Latinx folks in general with her, with her work. And she continued to do that. She sort of like paved this, um, this path for like, here's how you can do it as an out queer chicana latinx uh person um she was 58 when she passed away uh and so we just want to i don't know like remember her and celebrate her and her work is um in museums from the contemporary art the new museum of contemporary art in new york like all the way to um the art place in san antonio or the los angeles county museum of art sorry yeah so just everywhere yeah. Um, and so she's a baddie. I saw people posting on Instagram and I was like, oh, I need to look and see like who this is. Who and this then you is. sent me yeah. the text. And so, yeah, we're remembering Laura Aguilar. Indeed. Presente. Presente. In our Ashe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to move on on to community contributors. Community contributors. I feel like you don't get to sing this episode because you shocked us all with like, I'm going to take a break, you guys. And I just come back like nothing. No, no, bitch, I don't sound like Eeyore. Don't do that. (laughs) That's offensive. Okay. I'm I'm just. (laughs) I'm just saying, there needs to be some consequences and repercussions for putting us all. I can't sing? No, there's there's a moratorium on your singing. Whoa, more no, I reject that. <laughs> I stand in firm protest of that bullshit. I don't care about your protest. You know what I'm gonna do when I'm able to sing again? I am Kent Severu to your protest. <laughs> that and for folks who don't know who that devil is, he's the chancellor. <laughs> the awful, awful capitalist. You, you know your chancellor is awful when Jesus and Miro are making fun of him. Yeah. I'm so. just saying. I mean, and nobody with a name like Severude. It's such a, yeah, it any, just, like, it, nothing good. He couldn't do anything <laughs> justice-oriented if he wanted to. <laughs> anyway, so the community contributors. So, community contributors. So, you got some notes over there, but I want to, like, say who they are, and then you can say their notes. Oh, okay. I follow your lead. Don't say it. I won't okay. say it. All right. So. Something akin to an employer, a.k.a. boss. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. So we got some new patrons in the community. Who are they? Okay. Now, I, you know, I feel like you kind of set me up for this because you gave me all the names. 
But okay. What do you um, imply? Sydney. Because I feel like I, I need to be an expert in pronouncing folks' names because my name is so um, often mispronounced. And so I'll get like kind of really sensitive about pronouncing people's names correctly. Okay. But when you see them on your screen. Anyway. So Sydney... This new page. I'm sorry I'm saying it in that inquisitive tone. Like, then is it Sydney? Sydney. Okay. Sydney. Okay. And Dow Savan, mm-hmm. our new patrons, and you have a message from Dow Savan. Yes. So Dow Savan said, hello, you were the very first podcast I became a Patreon <laughs> member for. Uh, great choice. Thank you. Right. I must say so myself. If, if we <laughs> must say so ourselves. Anyway, what you two are doing is so special and important, and it makes my heart squeeze right out of my chest every time I listen to an episode. This is definitely a community member because they talk just like you. Anyway, money is brilliant, and her <laughs> therapizing <laughs> is so insightful, all seeing, and clear. Oh, thank you. I heard her interview on Tea with Queen of Jay, and it turns out she's also a math genius. How can so much wit, intelligence, and beauty be all wrapped up in a single person? Okay, you better stop it. I'm <laughs> tighten this drawstring. Okay, move it. Move it. <laughs> Again, keep your pants up. Dow goes on to say, Nikita is the socialist intellectual of everyone's dreams. She skillfully breaks down how trash this capitalist <laughs> bullshit is and how we can break out of it via socialist liberation. <laughs> I've learned so much. Your interchange is so funny and lovely, and it's clear how much y'all love and respect one another. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. <laughs> I will remain in search of a glucose guardian so I can send more money. Yes. I support thank, that. Thank you for giving your hard-earned coins to the queers at Queer Walk. And we, too, are in search of glucose guardians. Indeed. So. <laughs> No romance a, a without freak. finance. <laughs> a fructose freak? That's nasty. A fruity fructose freak. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A sucrose sucker we could... <laughs> sucrose sucker. That's really my... <laughs> That's my favorite. Oh my God! A sucrose sucker. Wow. A dextrose dyke. Any, any of you? Please stop. I just love it because you you asked me what what dextrose was. Wow! Don't pull me up, boss. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. We also have uh, a shout out for Caroline who hit us up on the PayPal. So, yes. Thank you. Um, and I wanted to give like a little. Double shout out because yep. we shouted them out last episode. But Catalina hit us up again in the inbox, and we are su- we suck at responding to emails. We are trying to get We're better. Get better at yeah, that. we have a homie who's gonna help us out. But I have been I haven't felt one hundred percent health wise like the since the last episode. I think and yeah, you know Nikita tried her fake break shit. Don't do that. Um, so. <laughs> So we apologize that we didn't get back to your email, but we definitely wanted to shout you out because thank you for showing us love in the inbox because it's it's much needed. It is. We open the inbox and we always get like flooded with um, like positive affirmations. Yeah, it's it's I mean, it really it truly means so much. Yeah. And we got to get down there to South Texas. We got we got to. No, I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I just, every time I think of Texas, I think of the beginning of Daddy's Lessons. <laughs> wow. Texas. Okay. Oh, please. I'm, I'm sure you are not standing in a tunnel with a, <laughs> black, a okay. black man playing a guitar like Beyonce. Please stop that. We also have another wonderful and sweet message from Dom. Which one? There's so many Doms. I don't, I'm sure they're all fabulous. You can never have, you can never have too many doms. Ain't that right? Shut up! <laughs> Stop doing that. Okay. Well, whichever dom. Dom says, "I just want to send an email of appreciation and to let you ladies know that you two are super awesome. I came across this podcast by accident, but I believe that everything happens for a reason. LOL." I truly enjoy the podcast. I will definitely refer this podcast to other queer women of color as it might help to shine a stream of light within their minds and their hearts. I just hope that I will have the pleasure of meeting you two queens one day. Keep up the great work of creating safe spaces for queer women of color. And to money, stay blessed, black, and beautiful. Huh, Watch me. (laughs) I guess, I guess. I guess, I guess I ain't get no fucking You don't get no... You don't get no blessings. I don't get blessings. But you know why? It's because you said you was taking a break. So I'm pretty sure Dom assumed I would isn't, be the only isn't one. Isn't that more reason why I would need some blessings and support while I'm away? Nah. <laughs> God, it's cutthroat. <laughs> That's what you get when you say you're leaving the community. People probably think that this is some kind of <laughs> sick publicity stunt. It's really not. Kinda, yeah. I'm really not that ex- You said it kind of is. You just going to throw me under the bus of the program we both do together? Anyway, thank you so much, Dom. And thank you to all of the other community contributors. Like we always say, we are the hosts, but this is a community that we all share together. So we, again, we just love so much y'all's feedback and y'all's contributions, whether it's in terms of ratings, reviews, emails, or donations. Yes. And speaking of reviews, Mm-hmm. This is May. Everyone knows that next month is that month. I mean, or some pride. people call it Pride. 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 <laughs> so right now we have fifty six reviews and ratings on Apple iTunes. I think we can get to seventy. Seventy. I was gonna say we could easily get to one hundred oh, by God. Pride. By Pride. By the end of Pride Month. End Let's of say June. by like June thirtieth. Okay. I think we can be at 100 reviews. Because, y'all, this podcast has grown so much since December when we tried to do the end of the year push for reviews. Y'all really came through on that. I feel like we got, like, 25 reviews in a matter of, like, two episodes. That's true. I I believe in us. I would say that the podcast has grown exponentially, but the math nerd over here might be like, well, actually. It hasn't grown exponentially. It hasn't grown exponentially. Maybe in a per, 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 was a parabolic form. Parabolic? No, because that would mean that it's. Oh God, back down. I don't care. This is wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying. I didn't mean to open grown. up that can of math worms. It has it, grown. It has grown. Yes. Let's just leave it there without any of the math references. I was about to say, and our statistician would tell us exactly <laughs> oh, how it's. She'll probably have a graph in the show notes. Yo, that was a whole nother lifetime ago. I got a whole ass degree since then. Ooh, wow. Anyway, a, a that mu- wasn't a multifaceted <laughs> bitch. I see. <laughs> that was not an academe flex. That was that a was... humble brag. <laughs> it really wasn't. It's that, just that was in my that was in my mathematic day. <laughs> that was. I just don't want somebody coming up to me trying to like like solve a matrix or like 
Oh God! Nobody, <laughs> nobody is ever going to ask you to do that. Um, yes, I was asked to do it in linear algebra, literally every class. You think but... a listener is about to ask you how to solve a fucking matrix? Uh, PhDs in biomedical engineering be listening to okay. this podcast. Hope, all, right. all right. Don't act like we don't have listeners. I know that don't be okay. I know that they're sharp, but no one's going to be like. Hey, Shout buddy. out to everybody out there trying to find a derivative right now. Uh, please do so- not flood the <laughs> inbox with the differential <laughs> equations. I'm sorry, I stand corrected. We're going to get all kinds of math worksheets and shit. Anyway. Um, I like the integrals too, so if y'all I don't know. care. Okay, all right. Anyway, I forgot what I was saying. Oh, that the podcast has grown so much since December. Um, It's been five whole months since then, and so many of y'all are new listeners. Oh, my and God, And I know yes. that you haven't rated us. You haven't st- rated us. Yeah, so just go. Like, all of you who say you stumbled here... You sticking around. Um, I know y'all are sticking around because I'm looking at the numbers. Thank you so much. And get us out there so that other people don't have to just like stumble across us. That we actually get more visible so other folks can hear this and the community can continue to grow. Yes. And with that, we may can come through some of your cities. And this is this is what I want you to do, though. This is what I this is another challenge. Because a lot of you all say that you don't just listen like by yourself, but you, you like you share the podcast with, with your, your friends. you know, uh, with your friends. So I don't want you after you rate and review. I want you to tap on two other people that you know listen and love the podcast and get them to write. I was going to say your review could be. Um, <laughs> I referred Keisha and. Dom to the show. <laughs> so then you called him out. And then Dom has to respond. And then Keisha like, has to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, we're on the same wavelength. Yeah. This is why we couldn't be apart. A dynamic dynamic duo. Back in action. What do you mean back in action? There was no real break. There wasn't a break. <laughs> okay, whatever. We're bi-weekly. You did, that wasn't a break. You just... <laughs> Are you done? You didn't miss anything. Okay. I'm going to take a break, you guys. <laughs> That wasn't a break. We don't we okay. don't release episodes. Okay, okay, thank you. Thank you. She took a break on the off week. Okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Whatever, broad. <laughs> All right, let's move on. The mental moments are I said no singing. Oh, the mental moments are Money's in the house. Money's I, in the house. Well, I knew it before. And Keita. Oh, that was good. Well, I know the song. What's the song? It's the fattest yeah, fattest. there you go. See, I told you, I just don't do R&B. Old school R&B. Try to get me with the slick shit. And oh, Diamond, I know you listening. Don't be coming for me on Twitter. Talk about I need an R&B intervention. Said, <laughs> Diamond said she's going to make you a syllabus. A syllabus. You know, that that was a that was an academic it was. drag. It was. And it was a, a shady music drag. It was. Because they like, I thought this bitch said she was a music head. Right. How she don't know none of the songs Nikita be referencing. Because they're specific... They're like 80s era R&B, and I don't listen to Classics. That. Whatever. That's a stretch. But You're lost. Anyway. All right. So, I realized that I haven't done a mental moment that was sort of like communal in a while. Um, and, you know, since Nikita didn't take a break, I was like, okay. I took we- a break in the off week. <laughs> <laughs> That's like... 
calling in on your day off. <laughs> I ain't coming in. You were not scheduled, so that's why. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, and I thought we could do a community activity. Now, it's just the two of us, so it's going to be kind of like quick and slow. But um, mm. quick, quick and slow? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> it, the activity is going to be quick, but it's going to be slow in like the way we do it. Mm. You keep making everything I'm dirty. I'm sorry. Let's There's go. only so many mm's. I can edit out of a podcast. Okay. Well, maybe that means that they need to stay in there. Okay. So, um, I was trying to come up with an alliterative name for the uh, activity because I know I love alliteration. But I couldn't think of anything completely alliterative, so just bear with me. It's called the Pal Paper Fold. Wow. Yay. I couldn't think of anything. The friend <laughs> fold. But that just really doesn't... Pal, pal paper fold is fine. The friend fold. Let's call it that. All right. The friend fold. Go ahead. <laughs> so what you do is you just hit, hit your friend as hard as you can in the midsection so they fold. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So I actually uh, can't take credit for coming up with this activity. I have, I've been... So I've been um, hoarding uh, therapy of my own uh, the, the past like few months. I've been going to my individual therapist and a group therapy um, sessions that have been incredible because they've been like people of color only. And they I had two, not one, but two black women therapists in that group. Oh, shit. It was incredible. Um, and so uh, on the last day of group... What we all did was this, like, paper fold activity. Okay. Um, and so how it works is you get a piece of paper. And so ideally, there will be at least four, I would say. There will be at least four people. Okay. Um, so you could do this in your friend groups. Um, but you take a piece of paper and you write your name very big at the top. And then you pass the paper to the person on your left. And that person, the first person who gets the paper, starts at the bottom of the page and writes you... A note. It could be, I mean, you can take this and spin it any way you want to. But when I was doing it in group therapy, how I thought about it was like, what about this person was like healing for me? Like for, for them to be in my community. Like what what am I getting from them? You know, mm-hmm. like what kind of energy are they putting out that yeah. I'm like, ooh, bitch, I needed that. Okay. So that's what I tried to write about each person. Mm-hmm. About like this part of your light that you yeah, shine yeah, on yeah. the world. Um, But if you're doing it in like... A really cool group of friends. Well, actually, I don't think there's, like, a lot of times that I sit and tell you, like, really why I'm so thankful to have you as my best friend. Mm -hmm. So maybe I was just about to say, well, if you do that all the time, try to write something else. Like a positive affirmation that you know your friend would need. Or, like, a solution to one of their problems that they always confide in you about. I guess kind of how I see it is that nobody ever died from being loved on or affirmed too much neither, you know? This is true. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is don't write, like, what I don't want this activity to be is like, girl, them purple shoes you was wearing. Right, right, right. You know, like. You want it to be, like, deep and meaningful. Yeah, because cause on the days where, where I feel, like, most, like, I can't go out and face the world, what I really need is for people to, like. I mean, it's kind of like what um, Louder's art is like. I need to hear the like parts of myself yeah. that like everything is constantly trying to silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, 
Like, I need to hear, like, when y'all say that, like, my therapizing and shit be, like, helping y'all, like, that's so, like, re-energizing to me because everything about this process of becoming a therapist is telling me that I'm not a good therapist. And you don't and belong like, here. Right. Yeah. And, like, um, when we think of therapy, we don't think of a person like you. Yeah, and so, yeah, like, yeah. so that, that's, like, very specific feedback that y'all give me, but it's also about, like, the parts of myself yeah, that yeah, try yeah. to get silenced out Definitely. in the fucking world. So, yeah. And so, why I call it the pal paper fold or the friend fold, however you want to call it. Um, if y'all come up with better alliterative names for this activity, whatever. But um, you, the reason why you start writing at the bottom of the page is because after that person, the first person writes, then you pass it again oh, to the okay. left. And you fold it up. That way, the, the next person doesn't see what you wrote. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is so great. And you just keep folding and rolling the paper up. Um, and then when you get the paper back with your name at the top, you read all of the messages. And a lot of times they have a really strong theme in them. Okay. So like my theme for my group therapy session was that I, I am so loudly and boldly myself all the time Yeah. and it inspires other people to be so also. And so that like made me feel really good because you know, group therapy bitch, I'd be in there like a hot ass mess. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, (laughs) y'all. And so to to hear that even in those moments, people were like... Are still seeing yeah. that that part of you still shines through. Yes. Yeah. And I know this ain't a visual program. So I hope it's like y'all get the idea of what I'm saying. So you write your name at the top of the paper. And then you pass it to the person to your left. And that person starts writing their message to you at the bottom of the page. That way they can fold it up and the next person can write right, something. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the community. I love that so much. I know. You said you wanted to do it. And I really want to do it, too. Because one of our homies just defended her dissertation. Defended the fuck out of that dissertation. She she dissertation, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I was thinking, like, Cause when we had the party, like after, I was like, "Oh, it would have been so cool if we would have like Done all passed that. the paper yeah. around." And we still can do that. Yeah, we still can. That's my mental moment. Ooh. All right, we're gonna go on on to the raggediest segment. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! You know what I love is that like everybody else. When they're listening, they also laugh, and they don't. They don't think that this is like a frenemy situation. But I really do tease you a lot, yeah. relentlessly, relentlessly. It's because I'm a Virgo and an oldest sibling. Oh well, I guess I'm just. I mean, you just a target. You got it. You got it bad. No. Ha R and B. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Please stop that. Intro me. Um, welcome to the word with Nikita. <laughs> <Is> that... <laughs> I kind of prefer that. Welcome to the word with Nikita. I feel like we need to record Cheo saying your name. And oh just my play God, it. he's so cute. Yeah, he is. He's adorable. Little radical baby. Kita. Kita. Oh, he's so cute. <laughs> and this week on the word with Nikita, the word is you ain't Fraser Crane, bitch. Stop. Maybe I am. I might just be a Fraser Crane in the making. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the um that 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 version is still on the cutting room floor. <laughs> anyway, so this week's word 
is May Day, also known as International Workers' Day. So by the time you all listen to this episode, actually, it's even past today. So May Day, International Workers' Day, is on May 1st. Kind of like there's starting, obviously, to be a theme here and all these. I feel like a lot of these holidays, I'm always like, imagine that they have anarchists or socialist roots. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm really indoctrinating here. <laughs> so um, it's, international. It's almost as if you have a socialist agenda. <laughs> <laughs> a specter. Is, uh, anyway, so International Workers' Day is um, the real Labor Day. Not that bullshit that is celebrated in the U.S. in September, but this is the real uh, Labor Day that's celebrated around the world. And um, like most of the holidays I talk about, it does, in fact, have anarchist and socialist roots. So back in the late 1800s, so um, in the 1880s, there was a huge push and a huge fight to shorten the workday to eight hours a day. So, I mean... Imagine. Increasingly now, like, people don't even work... Don't even work, work eight 40, hours a day. Right. Yeah. But that was... It was an important victory um, that was won um, from the labor movement broadly. But it was it was a demand especially pushed um, by radicals within the um, labor movement. So, at that time, people were working. I mean, unfortunately, not, like un, not unlike today... People would be working 10, 12, or 14 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So kind of the the economic backdrop of the 1880s is that there was this economic boom that was happening in the country. And so workers were saying, because there is like this economic boom, uh, boom and there is this wealth to be spared, instead of having you know, workers work 10, 12, 14 hours, then the demand was on employers to hire more workers. And so mm-hmm. that that way, uh, more amount of workers could work less amount of hours. Yes. Right? I just, Go I ahead. mean, I think people, I don't, I mean, I know definitely, I won't say people, I won't externalize it. It's me. Like, I don't realize enough, like, when you say these were, like, radical thoughts in their time, because because of these movements, they are so everyday to us right now. Right. So, to think that somebody was at work, they like, bitch, I'm in, four, I'm in hour 14, and somebody was like, you know what? They should hire more people. And somebody else was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Cut that shit out. Um... <laughs> And it, but it's it's also interesting that you mentioned that, though, because in one of the articles that I was reading in preparation for this, there was a, a, there was a left wing of the movement that I was actually, it was a group of anarchists that were saying that that demand is actually too um, reformist. They were like, this isn't going to get us any closer to, like, overthrowing capitalism. So on the one hand, you have some people that are like, whoa, 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 this is too much. And some people have been like... We got to speed this shit up. Yeah. Right? But the the important thing, I think the what what you're getting at is that you just kind of think, it's very easy to just think that this stuff is like arbitrary and it's right. random and it comes from nowhere. But it's like, these were like really hard won and fought um, demands. Or the opposite, that like somehow some benevolent like uh, right. owner of a business was like, you know what, you guys, we should only work them eight hours a day. It's they not look so like, tired. <laughs> right. like... People fought for this. Workers fought for this. There's, this reminds me of one of my favorite slogans that I uh, learned recently. So there's this group, the national. It's like the one of the groups, one of the chapters in the Michigan of the National Welfare Rights Organization. One of their slogans is "We were, we will only get what we're organized to take." 
Damn. And and so that to your point, like nobody's going to be giving us shit. It's like we have to be organized to Mm -hmm. get the things that we want and deserve. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, in 1884, uh, there was an organization of workers called the Federation of Organized Trades and Labor Unions. So in 1884, at its national convention, um, this is when they said, you know, May 1st, this is a by May 1st of 1886. This is when we want to win. The eight-hour workday. Oh, I love that. Um, and so the, the next year, they said they wanted, the way that they followed up was, they're like, we're going to have a wave of strikes and demonstrations. And so by 1886, almost 300,000 300, workers went on strike across 13,000 um, different businesses. And it was actually successful because the interesting thing is that it was some workers... Um, that had just even threatened their employers with mm-hmm. going on strike, and then the employers like immediately mm-hmm. conceded, mm-hmm. and then some or some workers were saying, "We're what we're going to do is um, some groups of workers didn't go on strike, but they're like we're going to go in at eight, and then we're going to leave mm-hmm. by four, and so them taking that action, that collective wow. action together, wow. that um, for yeah. some workers, some employers, like we just going to give ourselves an eight hour work, right, right, yeah. right, um, and so. The important, um, one of the key cities and the key um, epicenters of this um, wave, this strike wave, this wave of strikes and demonstrations was in um, Chicago. So when 300,000 workers um, in across the U.S. went on strike and about like 40,000 of those workers uh, were on strike in um, Chicago. So... That happened um, on May 1st, and then a few days later, on May 3rd in Chicago, there was a group of workers who had actually been on strike at this place called the McCormick Reaper Works. It was a plant in Chicago. They had been on strike since February. They had our, And then uh, there was this um, entity, this private um, company called the Pinkertons. And so it was a really na- vile, nasty, um, armed thugs. And so... Um, there was a there was the workers at the McCormick Reaper Works. They were on strike, and then other workers who went on strike um, in the May Day uh, strike wave. Mm-hmm. They had joined these workers at this plant, and so the I brought up the Pinkertons to say that the Pinkertons had been harassing and brutalizing the workers from this McCormick uh, plant that had been on strike since February. So like. Police, you know, haven't just like historically been vicious to, uh, you know, black people and like people of color. But I mean, the reality is that they're vicious and brutal against any group of oppressed or exploited Mm -hmm. people or whether it's the property owner, whether it's the police Mm -hmm. or um, private um, security companies. So they had gone on strike and then, uh, you know, 200 workers had joined this, uh, these McCormick workers. And so... um, the police then uh, proceeded to beat workers who were striking. They what? beat them with, they beat the um, people who had joined the McCormick workers, and then in response, like some some strikers had uh, thrown stones at the police, and then the police responded by firing um, guns, live rounds. Yeah, and two workers actually ended up uh, being killed, and so after this, um, you know, wave of police. Um, violence that was uh, meted out against the workers, they decided to have a, a public meeting in in, this, in a square. And this square was called the Haymarket Square. And so there was a group 
because people were outraged at what had happened the day before. So there's a group of radicals. Again, it's a lot of anarchists, you know, that are holding like public speeches. And so two detectives. And so the on the May 1st, on the May 3rd, there was tens of thousands of workers. But at this um, Haymarket uh, public demonstration, it was, a, it was a smaller amount of people than, that, mm-hmm. than they had anticipated and then they had hoped for. So as it was a smaller crowd, and even as the, the event was coming to a close, people had like petered out. But there was two detectives that there was a, one of the uh, speakers, um, Samuel Fielden, was speaking. Two detectives said that he was there basically trying to incite a riot. So those two detectives go back to the police force and they say that he's using inflammatory language. So yet again, the police stormed the crowd. You gotta be kidding me. So they stormed the crowd. And at some point, they never find out who, but someone threw a bomb um, in the crowd. Right? And so, so then they put eight anarchists on trial and they were supposed to receive the death penalty. And for and, striking? So they went on strike. Yeah. For for going, for participating in these demonstrations. Yeah. And so the subtext that they used was that the eight um, anarchists that, you know, that they um, arrested, they charged them with um, throwing the bomb. But it's not a coincidence that like, it was the radicals in the crowd that were... Um, that were being targeted. Oh and if you look, I can't remember uh, where I read it, but w- like, I think the prosecutor um, in this case, when uh, these, uh, when they put these guys on trial, they were saying that they basically needed to go on trial because they needed to, it was basically what they did was basically like an attack on America. And it was an attack on the values and they were trying to turn the whole society upside down. So they were pretty clear about what the real reason about why this, why these uh, particular like eight um, anarchists were um, put on trial, so they were. Um, so I think one of them ended up getting. Um, I just love it when you give us the history of it because of all of these things that we, you know, kind of just like do today, um, because it fucking repeats. So it's like they copy and paste history. Yeah. Inciting a riot. How many motherfuckers we know that's like, oh, inciting a riot. Right, riot charges, yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. All the defendants were convicted and um all except one were given um a death sentence. I think later on down the line, a few of them might have been um their sentences were either commuted or they got pardoned. I think it was um their sentences um were commuted. But it's <coughs> again the state was very clear on why they were attacking um, these group of workers. And so the prosecutor says law is on trial, anarchy is on trial. These men have been selected, picked out by the grand jury and indicted because they are the leaders. So again, the the, the whole thing about the bombing was like a pretext. It was a bullshit. Yeah. They, they probably did it. They are no more guilty than the thousands who followed them. Convict these men. Make examples of them. Hang them and you save our institutions and our society. So the prosecutor in the case was very clear. Like he, he didn't he didn't mince words right, about right. why um, these groups of workers, um, these radicals were being targeted. And and again, and it seems very basic and like yeah. a fight over like the mm-hmm. eight hour workday. And so there was so one of the going back to like the eight hour workday. It wasn't just about the eight hour workday, but they were like, we need eight hours for work, eight hours for leisure, and eight mm-hmm. hours of rest, mm-hmm. right? 
one of the things I wanted uh, to point out, because we always, well, there's an, uh, two last things I'll say. One of the um, men who was um, imprisoned or put on trial was Lucy Parsons' husband. And her husband uh, was Albert Albert Parsons. And Lucy Parsons, I, I, I can't remember if she was indigenous and or um, black, but she's a, a radical woman of color. Mm -hmm. And so she and her husband had, um, they had actually had lived in the South at one point. You know, I was thinking that when you said this shit happened in Chicago. I was like, yeah, that's because all them folks from, from the <laughs> South came up. <laughs> Fuck that shit. <laughs> um, so... Um, it's just, I don't know, it's always just feels, like, important to point out that, you know, because, like, because you, I mean, like, at first glance, you'd be like, why the fuck would, you know, maybe queer women of color care about some labor mm -hmm. strike that happened in, you know, the late 1880s, but it's like, well, you know, woman of color, you know, was there, Lucy First Parsons. of all, because we've been here. Second of all, because we've been queer. Right, Third right, all, right. we've been workers. Exactly. <laughs> it's still our workers. Uh, but the thing I was going to say about Lucy and uh, her husband, Albert, is that at one point they had lived in the South and they had this, like, small radical publication arguing that, like, black folks, uh, particularly, like, f people, like, formerly enslaved uh, folks, you know, deserve basic rights. Mm -hmm. And so it's, like, it's always important to, like, point out that, because, you know, there's, like, a lot of times we think about anarchism, socialism, like, these radical, like, working like working class or, like, worker histories, like, they don't include people of color. Yeah. Um. So even if it's, like, actual like women of color like themselves like Lucy Parsons and or there are there have been like some solid like radical whites that have actually you know been in the struggle and like mm -hmm. provided real comradeship you know to the mm -hmm. struggles um that may not necessarily have affected them but to go ahead no i was just going to really quick say and and uh, it also erases like the the like coalition work between exactly. like radical uh women of color because I, I was thinking about like Grace Lee Boggs and like when they were oh, right. basically hunting down communists and um, how like a uh, like a lot of Asian women were targeted in that. But then also like the black women and indigenous women that they were organizing with around like because um, like housing and slumlords shit like impacted all of them because right, of the way exactly, poverty works. Exactly. Yeah. Your point about the hunting down the communists is really important because in 1921 on this is when this holiday, this made-up holiday, was first observed in the U.S. It's called Loyalty Day, and that also falls on May Day, and that was during the period known as the First Red Scare, and it was a direct response to try to replace uh, May Day with Loyalty Day. And the whole thing around Loyalty Day is that people reconfirm or reaffirm their commitment to the United States. <laughs> and in 1955, uh, Congress, like... I, Pass something and every and every since even Obama did this mm -hmm. every year on May 1st they issue some kind of statement or a proclamation it's been happening since 1955 where they say you know this is loyalty day and people you know reaffirm their commitment to like quote-unquote American heritage and American values and that kind of thing ain't 1955 the same year as Brown v Board of Education oh shit it is that doesn't seem like a coincidence to me <laughs> yeah and it's also during the the McCarthy uh, attacks on radicals then, too. Just the last kind of historical point that I wanted to make, going back to your point about the importance of coalitions, because I was trying to look, I, I don't know what I was trying to look for, but I found that there was this huge, like, anti-war demonstration that happened in 1971 <laughs> on May Day. And the Gay Liberation Front, which came out of the... Um, 
the Stonewall organizing and riots. Um, so there was, a, there was a contingent of the Gay Liberation Front that was really adamant about making sure that there was uh, queer or gay folks had a, had a contingent at this huge um, May Day action um, in 1971. And so it, there was actions in New York City and in Washington, D.C., and then there was also um, an action on the West Coast. In San Francisco. In San Francisco. And so they, there was one committee in, in Berkeley, and they called themselves the Gay May Day West. Hey! <laughs> and so it was just really interesting to see. I just read, um, I just came across this, um, so there was these, uh, it was, I think it was mostly, it was a lot of like, uh, gay men, but they were going out into San Francisco and they were, um, distributing leaflets and flyers. And so, um, they were handing out flyers that were, um, calling out like imperialism and against war. And this is, I think that this is also like really key and really helpful is that, um, they were also calling out, um, sexism and they were going downtown and they even like this thing that I read, they were talking about how they didn't have a lot of, um, relationships or they didn't have necessarily a base down like in the bars, um, in San Francisco. And even though some of them were nervous, they still went out and gave out literature mm-hmm. about why it was mm-hmm. important for uh, gay folks to be um, at this rally, to be at this march, and why gay men needed to be against sexism, mm-hmm. why they needed to be against anti, uh, why they needed to be against the war, um, war and imperialism. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so they said some men with whom they spoke had never even heard of like the gay um, liberation front. And so, like, again, they were just, out, they were organizers mm-hmm. and they were out there, like, trying to raise consciousness. And, like, I just thought that that was a really fun and, like, useful and interesting piece of history. Because you think, oh, well, why, you know. So this thing happened in, like, 1886. Yeah. But then you mm-hmm. see all the way, you know, 1971. Yeah. There was, like, the way still... it comes real sharply, like, to the present. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, like, post Stonewall. Yeah. And you, you said that a, a group of, um, like, queer folks marched through the streets in Cuba on May Day, too? So, I read this, another article, in so, in 1995, there was a contingent of queer folks from Northern California that went to um, Havana to, to, to participate mm-hmm. in a... Um, in a May Day parade there, and then like the opening of the article, and it was like drag queens marching down the street in Cuba. So in this, um, so they had a specifically a queer um, march in Havana, and so they went down. They were marching, and they were they met with organizations and people who did work with people who had HIV. Wow! And so again, hey. this this was happening 1995. Queer folks May Day in Cuba. Damn. Yeah, we should have had a gay May Day thing. We should have maybe next year. Yes, that's what we're we gonna work towards for the um the goal for next year is to gay have May a Day. Gay May Day, hey. <laughs> 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 All right, y'all. So for the topic this week, um, since I wasn't anticipating that Nikita would be here, <laughs> we it's so um. I don't know if it's because we have a lot more access to information now or if it's really that time just feels that big. But in two weeks, I'm like, God damn, we missed like five um, <laughs> holidays. <laughs> we did. <laughs> but April 26th was Lesbian Day of Visibility. Um, 
So I just want to give a really big shout out to all my lesbians out there. Hey. Um, I found out about it, of course, April 27th. That <laughs> was late as Naturally. fuck. I was like, why ain't nobody tell me that there was a lesbian day of visibility? Is it, is it like every third Thursday in wow. April? I don't know. Like how do, is it April 26th every year? Um, I just need to know so that I can be prepared with the proper outfit. For next year, I need to get Lena Waif's cape. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta make us some queer capes. I think I might. I'm. I. I was looking. It's you know. It's the Philly Pride flag. I think I can do that. I just need the yardage of fabric. Okay. I think I, I. You know, I'll have it. I need a good lesbian cape. So you know, next year's Lesbian Day of Visibility, we can be visible. Yeah. <laughs> And so, yeah, I guess I just wanted to talk about, like, lesbian visibility and, like, what all comes along with that. So, when we were talking to Barbara Smith, she was like, you know, nobody ever uses the word lesbian anymore. I right, like that word. Right, right, Um, And, you know, I feel like I'm I'm the last of the lesbians. Uh, <laughs> That's dramatic. I, I know, right? It's a whole ass day. Um, and I'm like, there's no more lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can't help it. I'm all or nothing. Yeah. And so I, I guess I was just thinking about like how important that label was for me and sort of like not only my like sexual and like romantic life, but also in my political life and uh-huh. like reading Cheryl Clark. Yeah. And um, like like one thing Barbara Smith said is like she likes lesbian because there's no ambiguity about yeah. it. Um, and Cheryl Clark, I guess, kind of like echo or like adds to that um, in my brain. That uh, lesbianism is all. It also is like a political stance, right? Like I'm not just a lesbian in like my intimate life, but it also tells you that I like publicly love women as well. Yeah. Um. And that like you basically ain't gonna treat no woman any damn kind of way when I'm right, around. Right. 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 And that is uh, why I said that I <laughs> I was uh, Lena and Alana's third because I think Lena Wave and her partner Alana uh, Mayo. I think is her last name. That sounds right. Yeah. Because I just call her baddie. I don't know her name. I just call her baddie. But (laughs) anyway. Please come on. um, That they are so important to me because they do that. You know, it's like they refuse to let you like reduce their lesbianism to they just like to be fucking. It's like, no, they publicly, explicitly and like. In your face, love women and right. like and like treat women with care and see them as like whole fucking humans yeah. and and just you like like make you deal with the fact that like they are women and and then like with them identifying as women like how how you have to shift in the way you think of and and treat women when they're in the space like I just love that like you know walk watching her walk the carpet at the Met Gala with that, like, rainbow flag on and, like, knowing that... the I think the theme was, like... Was it, like, the Catholic Catholic thing? Church or some shit? Yeah, which and is bizarre, it but was, that's another it was conversation. Real, it, felt, it feels white to me, right? Yeah. Like, but, okay. Um, so that was the theme. And then, like, knowing that, um, like, religion can be, like, such a space of 
Oppression? Yeah, for queer folks. And I think, like, Lena Waithe has, like, said stuff about this before, that, like, my love of God is not, is not like, separate or, like, you know, influenced by, like, me, not, not changed by me being gay. Yeah. Like, I can be both. I can do both. And just, that just felt, like, incredible, you know, to have, like, this rainbow cape in that space. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, like, the most, like, recent thing about, like, lesbian visibility that I can point to I think I also love them because it's really hard to see successful queer women of color couples Mm -hmm. and when I say successful I just mean together (laughs) (laughs) oh my god um uh, <laughs> it was funny. I was talking to one of our mentors and she was asking me how my dissertation was going. Because for those of you who don't know, my dissertation project is on how queer women of color stay together yeah. um, while like doing all this political work and shit. And shameless plug, if you would like to be interviewed as part of my like dissertation study. Yes, go be ahead. a participant in this amazing badass yes. dissertation. If you and your baddie bae would like to be interviewed by me, um, because y'all are queer women of color out here making this shit work while engaged in political work. Um, please let me know because a bitch is trying to graduate. Um, but yeah, so when I told our mentor, one of our mentors, like, that's, like, that's what I was doing and kind of where my project is. She was like, girl, I can't count Um, I don't, I wouldn't even need one hand to count how many <laughs> queer women of color I know in relationships, in relationships. with other queer yeah, women yeah, of color yeah. and that are like still together. So, <laughs> um, so I was like, yeah, I guess it was a, a hopeful feat for me. And I knew that going into my dissertation yeah. that I wanted to do something that felt like hopeful, happy, and loving. Because mm-hmm. um, it, 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 it would keep me like getting up in the morning. Yeah, touche. Yeah. You haven't said much while I've been over here talking about lesbian visibility. Well, I've been listening to you to talk about your booze. And your very extremely closed triad. It's closed. Because, you know, people be out here trying it. Like, oh, Lena is bae. She's taken. Wow, okay. By us. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like you have kind of... Um, you talk about this often, about how and why you explicitly identify as a lesbian. And... Um, for the longest, uh, I don't know. I haven't. I I feel like I go between go back and forth between queer. Sorry, I'm scratching my ankle. Um, <laughs> I go back and forth between queer mm-hmm. and um, lesbian. So it's very interesting. I think everything about my why. Well, the the reason why I I, I used to or I still do identify as queer is that I feel like it takes it accounts for the um the gender presentation mm. which is you know which i've considered you know queer like mm. gender nonconforming um but also gender nonconforming but i also do um identify as a woman that's cuz i'm like never mind no i don't want to go there right now no we're going to go there in a minute okay and it also um probably more uh precisely i feel like it under it captured how I thought about my desire. I feel like I'm not only attracted to 
women, but that's who I've definitely like primarily been mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. attracted to. And which is not to say that with even how I understand my gender presentation and even how I understand my sexual orientation, that lesbian couldn't fit that. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes back to something else that you and I talk and think about a lot is like, I think there's a way that we kind of view these terms. So on the one hand, I think there's a difference between lesbian being an unambiguous term, yeah. but that doesn't mean it's a narrow term. It, right, right. Come say that so one I more think time. You, I'll say it again. So it could be an unambiguous term, but that doesn't mean that it, it's uh, a narrow term. And it doesn't, it, it still is a term that can capture everything that I think that queer like has captured mm-hmm. for me. And I think that actually you've been one of the people to like help me like we think about that. And mm-hmm. it was like you cuz we talk about we had talked about that before that interview with Barbara Smith. Yeah. And then the interview with Barbara Smith and like further conversations with you was like, "Oh, it made me like we think about that." Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, cuz um I just think about all the parts of our identity that people always say try to like say are so narrow. Like if you like, "Oh, I'm I'm only interested in working with women of color." Or, like, God forbid you specifically name, like, which women of color you're talking about. Like, yeah. oh, I only want to um, talk to black women on this issue. And like, oh, that's so, like, narrow. I'm like, is yeah. it? Because blackness is, like, leaping and gaping and, like, wide and yeah, yeah, yeah. varied. And so, um, like, every time I think about, well, I, I think I do think about people saying that lesbian is, like, narrow. Um, but I just think, I always go back to this and I'm just like, well, how are you defining woman? And so I guess that was like kind of getting at like, like what you were saying about, um, like gender nonconforming, but it just also makes me think about, um, like, like all lesbian to me says is that uh like I'm I'm here for people who don't identify as men. And so like if you take that as being like trans exclusive, like I would challenge like Yeah. Um I would challenge you on your transphobia because sure. if if like not men mean cis women to you, then like what the fuck like what the right, fuck right, are you right, doing? Right, right. Um so yeah. But yeah, with this like gender conforming thing, um I just I think I was, we was uh, sitting at a table talking about our type the other day, and I really like masculine presenting femme folks. Uh-huh. I, you know, I think I was talking about that. Um, I don't know if they would identify as such. But right, right, right. That's how I would identify them. It's like, you know, so folks look at them and say they're gender nonconforming, or uh-huh. they, f- they fuck with the gray in some way, right? Like, they fuck with the box of what we think a woman should look like. But if these people are identifying as women, again, I'm like, how, how, how are you defining woman? If, like, this person has said, I identify as a, <laughs> a woman... I am masculine presenting and you still calling them like gender nonconforming. Like, is it, is it, are they gender nonconforming or is the gender not conforming to them? If they already said they identify that way. Um, I don't know if this is making sense. Say it again. I think um, I, I think I get it. How I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to like picture it. Right. So, so if you have, I don't know, like if you got marbles in a, in a bowl, all the marbles could be different colors, but you still know they all marbles. Uh-huh. But somebody who's not even in that bowl, or maybe they in the bowl them, themselves, 
is like, no, only the blue ones are marbles. Even though we clearly know that the yellow ones, the red ones, and all these other ones are marbles. Right. Like, shouldn't we expand our definition of marble instead of saying that um, these these red marbles are marble non-conforming, but like, we mm. still know they're marbles. Right, right, like right. that's, I guess that that's I don't know if that made any more sense than what I said before. But um, when when people always describe masculine presenting women as gender non-conforming, I'm like, are they gender non-conforming? Right. Or is the way we talk about gender not conforming to what we know gender is in right. life? Um, I think. So it's interesting that you um, bring this up because I consider myself, I don't think I necessarily consider myself gender non-conforming. Mm. I feel like I say that I'm gender non-conforming, not because that's how I internally yeah. I think about uh-huh. myself. It's because that has been, and again, I'm only speaking for me, mm-hmm. just so nothing gets twisted. But I I say that I'm gender non-conforming because that has been my experience, the way that the world interacts with me right, and how I right, interact with the right, world. Yes. So I identify as um I identify as a woman, mm-hmm. but be not not my personal definition or understanding of woman is not like contrived or narrow, but the broader society's right, idea right. of what woman is uh-huh. is narrow. So because the, I don't I don't conform, that's the thing right. I'm not conforming you're, to. Because yeah. I don't conform to that broader definition um, of woman, you're constantly reminded of that right. when you walk out into the world. And I'm right. And yeah. so when I'm like out in the world and mm-hmm. when I'm um like unfortunately like routinely misgendered mm-hmm. misgendered, that's mm-hmm. when I'm like Oh, I'm not conforming to other people right. or what the broad society idea of, about woman is, but that doesn't mean I I don't identify as um, a woman. Right, right, yeah. Is that what kind of what you're getting at? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I'm getting at. Yeah, but I know that there are other gender non gender you know non-conforming folks or non-binary folks who don't necessarily like identify as woman. And that's I think that's a mm-hmm. that's a separate thing, but I think that mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I guess when I think about like like lesbian lesbian visibility, like I automatically start to think about like these gender non-conforming conversations because I most of my relationships have been with folks that society would police in the ways that you get policed around yeah. like we it's so fucked up cuz it's this space of like they know you um are not a cis man. And even though they are misgendering you to like in this masculinized way, using he, him pronouns, calling you sir, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I don't even know how to describe that because like language fails us all the time to like talk about our experiences. <laughs> Narrative therapist. Um, but like, ugh, it's. It's like only are you doing that to constantly remind me that I'm failing at womanhood in some mm, way. Yeah. It's like yeah. And so like I think about that with like lesbian visibility because um cuz I've I've had really scary ass situations with like me and my partner where um I don't think I think it's like real um like flat to assume that like they were mistaken for men. I think it's because they were they weren't read as men and were read as queer women who are who are like failing womanhood and therefore oh. like like in this weird space with with like manhood cuz right. we only think in bi- because of the binary. Right. Yeah. Because of the gender binary like I think that's why we've been in like scary situations and so it's so, like sometimes 
visibility is scary. And I, um, I think it's... I guess it's, like, easy for me to think about it in the masculine way because, like, that's who I've dated. Yeah. But I also think about it for myself in the ways that I, like, um, don't conform to the ways that people talk about, like, womanhood. Sure. And maybe even shy away from calling themselves lesbians because of the way the larger society talks about womanhood. Because mm-hmm. um, today, I was talking to uh, one, of our, one of my friends and she she had said something to me a few weeks ago that just kind of has stuck with me. She was like, yeah, you like, you look real gay. Like, like, I knew you was gay when I first saw you. And I was talking to her on the phone today and I was like, uh, why did you say that? Like, what yeah. made, she was like, I don't know. You, you could just tell. Yeah. And then she asked one of our other friends in the background, like, <laughs> like black women do. She on the phone like, hey, when you met my team... <laughs> friend in the background like oh yeah girl I knew she was gay and it's just like even you know somebody who presents uh low film (laughs) like me um is still like like failing at this idea of like I don't know I I think a lot of times people talk about like like feminine uh queer women as like invisible yeah but we're very visible Mm -hmm. in like a lot of ways yeah uh yeah, it was just strange. I mean, I don't know what they what they read off of. I me. was about I, to ask you, what do you think it is? Um, I think <laughs> when I was a baby dyke, I really worked on getting my my like um. I, so you know, uh, <laughs> if you ever watch Dragon Ball Z when they like try to evolve wow. into a Super Saiyan, it's like I didn't think we were gonna go. <laughs> it's like I was trying to get my vibe so powerful that it would repel men, like. <laughs> 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 and I think so I think maybe I succeeded in some ways of uh-huh. like I walk into a room and somebody reads my aura in a different way than like a heterosexual woman. Uh-huh. Um and so then it's like, oh, she must be gay. Right, but you know the materialist in me wants something concrete. What do you think? You know. I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. Did you know I was gay when you met? Well, obviously, well, we met that's at unfair. A, yeah. We met at a, a lesbian ice cream social. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't... I mean, I know that you should never assume, but... <laughs> I could have been... I could have been the ally there okay. with a friend. All right, girl. <laughs> um, I don't know. What is it? What is it? I, just, I think it's something about your aesthetic. So, obviously, not everybody that has your aesthetic... Is, is, is it a lesbian I, or a queer? Because it my extensive collection of vests. That? <laughs> uh, I feel like your hair. Ah, uh, you know, we were doing this for a while in Fusion. Everybody had the, like, undercut or the side shade. Yeah. Like, I feel like we we don't get credit for that because the, cause the, the straights appropriated it. But the queers definitely set that yeah. off. Yeah. We set it off. Um, yeah, and I've been committed to it, you know, like, my sides have remained shaved. Yeah. Okay, so you think that, you think my hair... Yeah, and it's like, like, there's like, like a kind of like bohemian aesthetic about you where it's like, again, obviously not all, like, bohemian types are queer, but... But there's something like, there's something free in that look. Yeah. And if you're free, then you must have experimented. Right. Therefore, you must be queer. Yeah. Because if anybody, like, dabbles in gay, like, of course they would want to stay. Yeah. <laughs> we, oh, as as your representative. So, last week, 
It just seems like men were off the rails. Yeah. Like DJ uh, Khaled said that what? thing. Oh my gosh. And I was like, as your representative or the ambassador <laughs> of the Association of Lesbian and Queer Affairs, I'm happy to announce that we are accepting applications. We are. For the fall cohort. Induction class, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you can send those applications uh, for the the lesbian slash queer women uh, caucus to queerwapod at gmail.com. There will be a boot camp to make sure that you are properly prepared. <laughs> you know, the first thing I thought when I when I saw that clip of him saying that ridiculousness, I was I, well. The first thing I thought was, I at this point I literally don't understand why women are still straight. Yeah, um, and, then, <laughs> and and like. <laughs> niggas don't don't get these niggas (laughs) (laughs) but then the second thing i thought was i pictured myself like suge knight on stage like (laughs) your man trying to be all in the video (laughs) 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 if if you don't want your producer like that yeah and you want that box eight oh (laughs) (laughs) come to queer walk (laughs) (laughs) oh god I'm just, I just don't understand. There's something that else. Um, this made me think about these kind of like old school. Because the thing about, I mean, it's like obviously, like when we talk about like how you're trying to communicate to mm-hmm. other people, you know, that you're a lesbian. Um, it just made me think about these old school debates that were happening in like lesbian communities and like the 70s and how like gender like goes around like. How that happens in that way? Why are you laughing? Because. <laughs> I, just go ahead. Why? Because I'm old and I got these old ass references all the time? <laughs> you, you talk about it as if. I was there? You were, you were sitting in like speakeasies with les, <laughs> lesbians in the 20s. Like, Shut up. <laughs> with, a, with one of them long ass cigarettes in your hand. Like, hmm, hmm. You probably would have still had on this newsboy hat. I probably would have. But, no, Um, you're right. But what I also laughed at is uh, how even though, um, even though, like, a lot of our experiences as queer women of color are, like, erased from the mainstream, we all find the same sort of thing somehow. Because, like, it was really early when I had met you. That I had posted this picture of me reading Lipstick or Timberlands. Oh, um, Minyan Moore. Minyan yeah. Moore. And, and <laughs> you commented on the, the post. Did I? Yeah. You was like, is that Minyan Moore's piece? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just funny to me that like, you know, as much as they try to like make us seem... As much as like our stories are like marginalized from the dominant narratives of sexuality, yeah. of womanhood, we still find them. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. indeed. Um, but go ahead. So there was this heated debate in the 1970s, as you sat in the um, <laughs> the juke joint. <laughs> okay, shut up. I think this was like oftentimes. Um, I don't so, want to. I don't so, want to talk anymore. So Zora Neale will see you left. <laughs> you left. Zora to the left of me. <laughs> Who else? I can't Lorraine to the right of me. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I feel like any day now, Nikita gonna be like, so it was me, Zora Neale and Lorraine Hansberry. <laughs> Just sitting there shooting the shit. <laughs> <laughs> and you know this nigga Jimmy Kimmel. I'm kidding. <laughs> Let me stop. 
I remember what fucking point I was trying to make. You, you were just, trying to okay. You were trying to say that our conversation that we're having right now about like what is it about me that like people are like we could tell you were gay. That this was also a conversation in the 1970s oh, before so, you were even born. Anyway, the conversations, <laughs> the conversations were around specifically like lesbian gender presentations around like the the what they call the butch femme dyad. So I think this is happening in um, some like lesbian separatist um, groups, <laughs> and they were talking about shut up and with I'm, your laughter, I'm trying not, and to and they laugh. were just talking about. So they were saying, like, obviously certain kinds of femininity are, like, really, like, narrow and oppressive. And then, you know, there's, you know, this conversation about, like, butch women being, um, you know, taking up the worst parts of Of masculinity. masculinity. So, Mm -hmm. like, there's this period where it was just, like, lesbians were, like, going to, like, adopt a certain kind of, like androgyny mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that was um and that felt like the most in you know in their eyes like the most like liberatory um kind of lesbian um i guess like gender display mm-hmm. like performance or presentation mm-hmm. and um that was the way that they were like i think it's somewhat like signaling to like mm-hmm. other women there's like that who they were, were that they're attracted to women but right i, I think that kind of like our just conversation earlier is like um, like an an attempt to kind of explode those kind of narrow ways that we've tend mm-hmm. to like think about lesbian like gender presentation yeah. and like um, visibility and that kind of thing. I think we um, have inherited that that debate, that heated tension in uh-huh. the radical lesbian communities. Yeah, um, from from the generations before us because. Um, I did, when I was a a baby qualitative researcher, I did this, like, quick, really small, really small scale study of, like, the gender labels that, um, like, lesbians use for themselves. And, like, a lot of stuff that came out from the women who didn't identify as, like, um, stud, which stud would be, like, uh, our equivalent to butch. Because not a lot of people use butch anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and femme, so folks who didn't, who didn't use stud or femme were saying that like, like I, I like no label because certain, like you said, like I I always feel like I'm failing femininity in some way. Like this, this, uh, it becomes like, like, you know, high femme. Like if you're not high femme, then you're not femme at all. Yeah. And if you're masculine, do you need to adopt this like certain type of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like really harsh um mask hard masculinity yeah. and so a lot of the people who didn't use any of those labels talked about like being in the middle as like a way to not do either of those things that could be really kind of like fucked up i feel like like to that point though i feel like that that doesn't feel like as stark of like attention today yeah as it used to be and i'm wondering i think it doesn't feel that stark i could totally be wrong but it doesn't feel like as like contentious Maybe as it used to be, because I think that we have, um, I think as a as a queer community mm-hmm. broadly, um, I think that we've kind of have fuller understandings about what these um, or broader understandings about what these categories actually mean. Like going back to like our earlier like conversation, it's like I remember reading some of those like studies about mm-hmm. like how people identify. And it's like oh, because it was like. Fem A G or yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of soft stuff. Yeah. Or, yeah. And it's like, I don't or know. Or low fem. Shout out to the low fems. <laughs> and so it's like, I don't know. I mean, not to say that the problems with like fucked up ideas about masculinity, like those, I'm not saying that those have like totally like subsided, but I don't feel like those, those, that kind of, the debate around like the whole like butch femme thing doesn't seem as like right, cause, stark to me because I think that yeah. we've... Because binaries, a, we're not into them. I think, yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. I think our, our understandings of like gender and gender presentation and identity have like shifted and changed. I'm I'm glad that you said that because it, it feels like a much more like happy spin on the community than what I was thinking. Well, I guess not like happy, but like I was thinking that all the folks who who didn't identify within that binary now identify as, like, different genders. Yeah. And, or, mm. like, just don't identify in the lesbian community anymore. Right. Um, yeah. So, I like, this, this, this is not how I mean it to sound, but, like, I wonder who's left in lesbian. Hmm. I guess the... Not like we the last ones picked for the dodgeball team, you right. That's not what I mean, but, like... Like, it feels to me that with this... Um, like divestment from binaries it also came like a divestment from um like labels that might feel monosexual yeah um i guess it's like i don't know it's making me think that something we've mentioned and talked about um before is that i think there have been and there are um i don't know i guess the well this is actually making me think about a couple of things so i think we've talked about like biological like determinism on the show before and how that relates to like conversations around sexuality mm-hmm. and I feel like this this conversation to me shows that there's this is why it's not helpful to think about people necessarily being born with particular kind of like sexualities mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or like gender identities and presentations because it's like these are like not like static categories and these categories how people understand their like gender and their sexuality is shaped by broader shifts mm-hmm. in, in like society so it's like yes. maybe there's maybe there is something happening mm-hmm. with you mm-hmm. know the lesbian identity but there's also been like a flourishing of right. other kinds of like right. identities mm-hmm. um right so you as just well. don't sit there with your hand on your chin right like, I shall henceforth be known as exactly. Here we go. But so I guess, like for me, what I'm saying, and I don't know if this is like, I also don't think it's necessarily like maybe as many, maybe people, not as many people identify as lesbian. But I don't think that that's something to mourn. No. Yeah, that's what I said. Like, I, that's not how I meant it to sound. Like we're the last ones picked for a dodgeball team. Yeah. But I do think that with. Whether it's been, like, movements by queer folks ourselves or, like, lar- like larger shifts in um, society. Because I can't, I like, I don't think we can, like, understress the um, influence that queer folks yeah. have on things like fashion and stuff yeah. like that. Um, like, now, everybody got to undercut. You can't, right. Tell. Right. <laughs> you can't tell these days. Um, but that... That we do have, like, a more fluid idea of, like, what a gender presentation looks like or what, like... What is possible for like a woman to show up yeah, looking yeah, like, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I think with that, there's been more like a fluctuation also in like how people identify. 
Yeah, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I was going to ask you two questions. Okay. Um, one was, what do you think people mean when they say you look gay? Or have you ever been told you look gay? Or have you thought to yourself that somebody looks gay? Of course I think people look gay. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about you, babe. Yeah, I was thinking that too. <laughs> so. I was, I can't like... Put a finger on it. <laughs> okay. Wow. There we go. On it or in it. No, please. Oh, dear Lord. I think there's like, it's not like one thing. I think yeah. there's different kinds of, it's different kinds of ways of quote unquote looking gay. I think it's the group. Like sometimes like you just you read with? the group. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're like, uh, uh, uh. Okay. Right. Because like my boo mm-hmm. is pretty sporty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Didn't um, necessarily identify as queer in other p- parts mm-hmm. um, of her life, but but when I met her, I was just like, "Hello, fellow lesbian." And it's not even just like it's not even like a just like her outfits. Which no, are, which are you know she has a an impressive array of joggers. What does uh, Sal uh, say? Like um, Sal is like, is it Maine or a lesbian? Like, oh yeah. <laughs> There's that, and I feel like I'm I'm pretty good at differentiating between like a like for lack of a better word tomboy like mm-hmm, butch mm-hmm. like straight woman versus yeah. yeah it's so funny on this last job because I'm doing this um, apprenticeship like with one of the trades and my forewoman was like everything about her to mm-hmm. me was like I was like oh like, this she's obviously <laughs> and she was like yeah my boyfriend and I was like you're what <laughs> And she just had, like, a very, like, butch demeanor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then she was, like, you know, she was raised on a farm, lived right, in upstate right. New York. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, like, this is this is what happens is when, you're like, when you're, like, an, an outdoorsy rural right. girl who loves tools and right, that kind of thing. Right, I, Because I went to, to college at a land-grant university, like, I know the difference between, like, the horse-riding girls and, like, like the farm girls. And the dice, and, and the dice, yeah. And I, and, and it, of course, there's a racial component there sure, too. Because sure, I sure. was, I was thinking about how, like, I also know the difference between, like, um, like tomboy, like hood girls. I don't want to say hood, but like, I know exactly not, what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, like the, like the around the way, you know, like, like the neighborhood girls. Yeah, I know the difference between like them. And a dyke. Like, <laughs> Some of this is also regional because when I first moved, because up until I lived in New York, I had lived my whole life You in thought the every girl from the city was gay. I thought every girl from New York City <laughs> was a lesbian. I think you still do. I do. Whenever I introduce you to people, I have to be like, she's from New York, just to let you know she's not gay. Because I'm she's like, just from New York. I'm like, there's, I'm like, the only reason why a woman would wear Tim's in the summertime is because she's a lesbian. <laughs> I stand corrected. <laughs> I was wrong. Oh my god, that video with that what did that woman say in that video? That lesbian about the that lesbian haircut with the ponytail. Oh, the uh, uh perm ponytail fade or something fade, like yeah. perm ponytail edge up, something like that. Yeah, it's a thing. Cause like that person was on the um the basketball team, and there are other women yeah. who are on the basketball team, but the straight girls didn't have the poem, the the, the perm, perm ponytail. ponytail. Yeah, yeah. There's a certain there's a certain ponytail yeah. that lesbians wear that straight girls just don't. Yes, 
It's hard to articulate. This yeah, thing. it's like you know it when you see it, but how can you describe it to somebody that yeah. that is a lesbian ponytail and not a I play basketball ponytail? Yeah, this is like I feel like <laughs> this is gonna be so specific, but the straight girls on the basketball team <laughs> with the perm ponytail look—they have like the little sprouts coming out their ponytail in the back. This is like very the little specific. the little hairs that just won't go into the ponytail, but like <laughs> the lesbian ponytail will be tight as fuck. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my it's god. like it's no straight hair. She's been playing basketball for two hours straight, and it's no straight <laughs> hair. But the ponytail, like the hair that's outside yeah. of it, will be like big and curly and yeah. frizzy as whatever. But it ain't no straight. <laughs> this is a very specific example here. Same thing with locks. But we won't go there. I'll give you more. There's too much for one episode. Wow. <laughs> I'll give you some more. To be continued. <laughs> yeah. And then the other question, I guess sort of like my wrap-up question for like lesbian visibility is who is visibility for? Wow. I think it's two things. I think it's for yourself. Mm-hmm. I think it's to also signal to be in relationship. And I don't just mean that in a romantic sense. No. But to be but in relationship mm-hmm. with other... Find um, your people. Yeah, lesbians and other queer people. Mm-hmm. You just give, like, very answers. And I think it comes from, like, organizing. You will not be misquoted. Nobody will fuck around with your sound bites. Meanwhile, I'm over here like... Let me paint this picture for you. <laughs> the hairs shoot out. <laughs> um, I, I think a lot. I think you know. I think intergenerationally, and like, had queer women of color before me not been visible, whether through their writing or like, like marching through the streets, or um, I don't know any other way that they were like, we out here. Yeah. <laughs> um, had they not done that, then I would have never been able to, like, see myself and, like, reflect it and be like, shit, that shit is possible. Like, they doing it. Yeah. Um. And so I think a lot about me being visible for, mm. like, younger queers, like, baby gays, um, gaybies, if you will, yeah. for other queerdos out there. So to find my people. So it's for me, it's for the older generations to see that, like, what they did had an, had an impact. impact is for younger generations to see. So for me to be like that sandwich generation. Yeah. And yeah. And of course, also for dating. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How do you signify online? Is it different online? I mean, I have a profile picture. I look pretty gay. <laughs> sums it up, I think. Well, wrap it up then. <laughs> no. What do you mean? Are you doing gay things on the Twitters? I think I I tweet enough about like I mean you if you read off my first four tweets you'll be like this bitch is a dyke. yeah and I think if you read the first four tweets of mine you're like she's a hundred <laughs> she shouldn't even really be in this century but alas here she is oh the bitch might be gay That's... I feel like people think you're lying about your age yeah. a lot yeah I feel like I kind of tweet like a bot. <laughs> I tweet like somebody who doesn't know how to use the internet. You um, you tweet with your pointer finger. (laughs) Yeah, that's accurate. (laughs) That's your Twitter finger. (laughs) It really is. So, Hmm. 
Maybe I would have been better suited to be hanging out with Lorraine and Zora <laughs> and so many others yeah. of a previous century. Yeah. But I'm glad you're here in this one with me. Yep. That's what I would write on your friend fold. Aww. I'm glad you're in this century. Thank you. What would I write on yours? Stop the abuse now. <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, actually, what you said, the fact that I really hate to piggyback. I really fucking hate that term piggyback, but nobody cares. What does it even mean? Where did piggyback come from? <laughs> I don't know, but I really hate it, so I shouldn't have said it. I feel like there are, pigs, the there are pigs out there like, stop <laughs> it. Right. Um, <laughs> stop piggybacking on us. This bridge caught my back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The lesbian pigs will be please. Bridge called my piggyback. You will not stop. <laughs> the fact that you are so community oriented and the fact that you're so you, like unapologetically you, is the thing that like is definitely like drew me to you and like um I'm still very much ad- inspired by and I very much admire. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Nikita. Mm-hmm. I think like I, I mean, I don't think I say this to you all the time that you you were one of the first black women I ever heard talk about like socialism, another another form of like being outside of like capitalism, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like I I hear people critiquing capitalism all the time, but you're like, there's actually an alternative, an alternative yeah. and um and then also uh you introduced me to like all of these uh black women who have been doing it for so long, black queer women yeah. nonetheless. Um, yeah, like I'd have never known about that, like these, you know, 1886 references that you just like have right there in the newsboy hat. Okay. B-O-I. B-O-I. Yeah. I'm glad I'm doing my small part right here on this planet. Um, there will be no Curved Chronicle. Mm. Um, Which is even more reason why you should submit your Curved Chronicle. Yep, we told y'all. Now look at you, just sitting there waiting for a juicy curve. And it ain't one, because you ain't submitting. Because you ain't submit a good goddamn thing. You know, you know that your ass got curved. Don't do this. Don't don't check your phone. Ain't nobody texting you. Because you got got curved. curved. (laughs) (laughs) This is actually bullying. (laughs) This is this is the only podcast that bullies its listeners. It's not okay. <laughs> I apologize. It doesn't make it any less true. <laughs> Submit your curve because we know you have them. They never wrote back. They left you on red. And left the nigga on red because I felt like it. Come on, no, 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 okay, no. please, 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 please. <laughs> Y'all don't know what SZA is saying. Just admit it. Oh my god, I really don't know what Susan says. Remember that? All the stars Stop. Okay, what else do they need to do? Remember, use the hashtag. Tell us what you want. What fun phrase you want on the Queer Walk merch. Remember, we're trying to get to 100 uh, ratings and reviews on oh Apple Podcasts. fans are going to rate us one star. Well, this is a slander. Yeah. <laughs> we don't deserve that. We don't. I just feel like if they're listening to Scissor, they've got them bitches got curved chronicles. That's the reason why they listen to Scissor. Exactly. Yeah. 
Because okay. remember, the curves don't mean don't just have to mean that you got curved. You can you could be do the, doing somebody. the curving. I forgot yes. about that. So if you skirt skirt on me, guys, you could submit. <laughs> you can submit it, even if you're doing it for fun. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, this thing is off the rails. No, it's not. SZA is a queer woman of color. It's, is she? It's on brand. Did she say that? She says it in that very song. Nikita. Oh, she said she dated. A what few. she got a Janelle Monae for your for your <laughs> ass? Damn. <laughs> Janelle, I like how you use Janelle Janelle Monae as a verb. <laughs> she, I mean, how long did we know she was queer before she was like, bitch, I'm gay? Like, how many times do I have to say it? How many times do I need to have a cute Instagram story with Tessa? I just, it was so funny because every every queer person on my timeline was so underwhelmed yeah. with Janelle Monae saying, like, I am pansexual because everybody knew she was I was excited queer. about it. I, yeah, I feel, I don't know. That's the thing. That's what my question was about visibility is like, who is it for? Because I was like excited, but I was excited because I was like, it felt like the NBA draft, and it was like the queers will take Janelle Monet <laughs> as first round yes! draft pick, and and all the straights are like, "Damn, we were holding out hope. <laughs> we thought somehow the queers would have drafted someone else, but alas, they got Janelle." I don't know. I was excited about it because it's like, on the one hand, she didn't owe that to us, right? But it's visibility. And I'm grown. Like, I've got, like, a yeah. solid queer community. Mm-hmm. And even me, with all of the love, affirmations, and community I have, I was like, oh, that's nice. That's swell. Yeah. But, you know, if you're young, you don't particularly, like, have that. Mm-hmm. It just, um, we were supposed to end the episode. Oh. But, <laughs> like, like, I remember that moment where, like, that little girl was like, Oh, you're my idol, Janelle Monet, and like was doing her hair like her. Like what you said about hair is so real because I remember going into a middle school with like, like one, uh, like a, a mutual person we know and myself, and we went into this middle school and like all the little girls who were like, "I like your hair," like what they were saying, like really wasn't "I like your hair." Right. It was like I see this queerness. In yeah, you yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Namaste. Oh. Gay. Namaste. Yeah. That's so funny because I have a, a namaste tattoo and now I want a namaste tattoo. The queer in me sees the queer in you. Mm-hmm. I honor the place in you where the entire rainbow resides. Okay. Let's just shut it off. All right. Bye, y'all. <laughs> so lackluster. Oh, and we also wanted to say happy Mother's Day to all the queer mamas out there. Lady. Place no one above you, sweet lady. Yeah. So if you are a queer walk who uh, has children, or if you are the mama of a little queer walk. I want to show you that I understand. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. So happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Because we will not miss another damn holiday. Bitch, it's like 800 holidays happen. (laughs) Today is a holiday. We just don't know (laughs) It's probably International Nikita Montanique Day, and we don't even fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> International Black Queers Are Living Syracuse Day, and we're going to find out next month. It's Upstate Awareness Day. Like, <laughs> All right.